Welcome to the Walking with God podcast with me, John Keen. It's great, great podcast lined up for you guys. I think you're really going to like it. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new year. We're going to be talking about uh, going into 2019 and what that means and and how God is um, how God is going to use that um, for His glory and for His purpose. So I'm I'm really excited uh, today about this podcast and uh, to have you guys listening here. So if you're just joining in. And you've never heard this podcast before, welcome. If you uh, if you have heard this podcast before, then welcome back. Either way, check out the website, www.johnkeen, that's J-O-N-K-E-E-N-E. For more there, you'll find my Walking With God blog. You'll find media content such as videos. And of course, the podcast is on there as well, as well as a uh, prayer hotline for any of those uh, out there that, that need prayer or seeking prayer. Um, I also want to talk to you guys uh, about what we've got coming up, man. I'm really pumped. I'm really excited. Next week is Passion Conference in Atlanta. Uh, listen, guys, if you have not got tickets yet, there's still a few seats left at Infinite Energy Arena in Duluth. Uh, if you guys have already got tickets, I want to encourage you guys to be there. It's going to be absolutely epic and life-changing, and you definitely are not going to want to miss it. So with that being said, man, welcome to the podcast uh, well, we're going to start off as usual with a little bit of prayer and then we will, uh, we will continue, uh, with the episode for today. Daddy, we love you. We thank you for everything that you do for us. We thank you for, uh, all of the many blessings that you give to us. The ones that we see, the ones that we don't, the protection that you give that we see and that you don't. Uh, I ask that you would take this time and use it as a time to give you glory, that you would take these words that I'm saying and that they would be directly from you and from your word and that people, when they hear it, uh, that it would uh, be life changing and impactful for them, but that everything would revolve and be centered around you and your son, Jesus Christ. I ask that you would uh, bless the podcast, bless the listeners, be with each and every one of them, give them safe travels to wherever they're going over the new year and the holidays. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in today's podcast, I want to talk about the new year. I want to talk about uh, different things. Uh, We've got the new year coming on in a few short days at 11.59. Billions of people all over the world are going to be watching as the ball drops in uh, New York City's Times Square. And so they got me wondering a little bit about the history of the New Year's Eve ball. So I started doing some research, and here's what I discovered. And it was actually quite intriguing. The The first time that the ball uh, it was installed on top of England's Royal Observatory in Greenwich, and that was in 1833. That event was pretty successful. So approximately 150 time balls were installed around the world. There's only a few that survived and still work. Uh, The tradition is carried on today in places like the United States Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C., New York City, Atlanta, uh, where a time ball descends from a flagpole at uh, at noon each day. Uh, Of course, once a year in Times Square where it marks the stroke of, of midnight, New York actually held a New Year's Eve celebration as early as 1904. But it wasn't until 1907 that they dropped an iron and wood ball and adorned it with a 125 watt light bulbs. It was five feet in diameter and weighed 700 pounds. From that date until today, 
The ball has dropped every single year except 1942 and 1943 during the city's World War II dimouts. Crowds still gather in Times Square during those years and greeted the New Year's with a moment of silence followed by chimes ringing out from Times Square. Now, over the years, the Time Ball has undergone about four different redesigns. The most recent was created for the Millennial Celebration in 2000 by Waterford Crystal. It's a uh, geodesic sphere, six feet in diameter, and it weighs approximately 1,070 pounds. It's covered with a total of 504 crystal triangles that vary in size, and each one of those triangles has a special designation. Hope for fellowship, hope for peace, hope for wisdom, unity, hope for courage, hope for healing, etc. The name of the ball itself is actually called the Star of Hope. Now, why would they call the New Year's Eve ball the Star of Hope? Well, it's because each new year is a time for hope. It's a time for opportunity, and it's a time for each one of us to grasp hold of our future and our, our destiny. Proverbs 17:24 says, Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. What we see in this verse is that we have an opportunity to grab hold of our destiny and future for the coming new year. The hope for our future depends on us. But that hope doesn't lie in a wishing star. You see, which essentially those triangles on the star of hope are actually all about. The hope for fellowship, peace, wisdom, courage, and so on are not based upon promises, but upon a wish for what we'd like to see take place in the next year. Proverbs 24 is saying that the wise man has a powerful future waiting for him because he keeps his eyes on wisdom. By contrast, the fool has his eyes on something else. He has his eyes to the ends of the earth. So what's the difference between the two? And most importantly, how can we become like the wise man and get the best of what God wants to give to us? Well, first, let's look at the fool. The fool's eyes, says Proverbs, wander to the ends of the earth. Now, this verse interested me because I can visualize this guy. In fact, I was this guy. Uh... I remember hearing a story once about a woman who was picking strawberries in a strawberry patch and she would sooner, no sooner pick one and then she'd look up and see another strawberry a couple rows away and she'd run off to pick that berry and then she'd look up and see another berry a few plants away and, and off she would go again and again all across the patch and, and by doing this she filled up one bucket in the same time a normal person could feel 10. You see her eyes were always wandering across the field looking for the easiest berries to find. That's what the fool is like. He's always looking for the easiest berry in the patch. He's always seeking an easy way to get ahead in life. He's the guy who invests in the future by buying lottery tickets. He can't seem to stay married because no person is ever good enough. He can't keep a job because no job is ever good enough. And he can't stay in one church because no church is good enough. Now... I've been this man. I was this man, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, for me, there was always a rainbow waiting for me over the next hill. You see my eyes wandered constantly to the end of the earth. I was always comparing myself and, and my families and, and jobs with other people and what their potential was, uh, uh, to me, I, I was never satisfied. You see, just like the woman who hurried from bush to bush in the strawberry patch, I was constantly running from every aspect of my life and and I was always hoping that the next thing that I would grab, the next ring would be a big brass ring and that in the end, 
I've done less with my life than what I could have done. You see, you see, I was not a wise man. I was a foolish man. I was always looking for the greener grass. I was always looking for the get rich quick. You see, and God humbled me down and he broke me. And, and here's why this, this message is so important to me because this, this was me. I lived this life. You see, the wise man, the wise man has two advantages over the fool. You see, first he's focused. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. Proverbs 17, 24. The wise man is not running all over the place looking for an easy way to live his life. He realizes that the only way to achieve success in life is sticking to the task at hand. You see, you can't build a championship team in a day. A single sales meeting can't transform a company into success. A weekend marriage or parenting seminar can't completely heal a struggling family. And one sermon can't set a church right or remove its troubles. You can't make success of life by looking for easy fixes. The greatest achievements can only be accomplished with consistent, focused effort. And that's what the wise man does. He focuses on achieving one central objective. The man, the, the main pursuit of the wise man is wisdom. Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, was once asked by God to name the one thing he wanted. I could only imagine God coming down and saying, John, what's the one thing you want? I just don't know that my heart would be uh, uh, strong enough or pure enough to ask God for this. But Solomon, he asked God for wisdom and God responded in 1 Kings 3.11. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people and have not asked for a long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding mind such as no one else has ever had or will ever have. You see, Solomon learned from experience that wisdom gained him an advantage in life. It gave him an edge and it was it was that advantage, that edge that gave him his wealth and power and position. Because when we think about it, what's the purpose of wealth if you don't know how to spend it? What's the value of power if you don't know how to use it? And, and what's the use of having position of influence if you don't know how to use it? Too many people believe that if they only had power, wealth, and influence, they would be happy. And so they struggle to gain those things, but they don't have the wisdom to know what they already have. And so they're never, ever satisfied with what they had. You see, a discerning man keeps wisdom in view, Proverbs 17, 24. The second advantage that the wise man had over the fool is that he knows where to look for wisdom. Where did God, where did Solomon get his wisdom? He asked God, why? Because wisdom comes from God. James 1, 5 says, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. Now, there are other places we can look for knowledge and information, but the ultimate knowledge and the ultimate information comes from God. You see, other places we look are, are for what men value as wisdom, and those places may seem to be logical, but any source other than God will eventually lead to a contradictory advice because it's going to be based on man's experience. For example, if you, you hear a man say, look before you leap, but he who hesitates is lost. Or, or many hands make light work, but too many cooks spoil the broth, right? Clothes make the man, but we shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Nothing venture, nothing gained, but it's better to be safe 
then sorry. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again, but don't beat a dead horse. Or if you lie down with dogs, you'll get up with fleas. But if you can't beat them, join them. You see, wisdom of man has its weaknesses and contradictions because man's wisdom is solely based upon what mortal men and mortal women can experience and observe. And because of this, our experience will always be limited and our observations will only be able to see so much. It's like a man wanting to see as far as he can. So he climbs a high mountain. But no matter how high the mountain, he can still only see so far. He will always be limited by his own eyesight and the edge of the horizon. But by contrast, the wisdom of God comes from far above. You see, there's no limits to his vision and there are no boundaries to what he can see. He knows the beginning and the end. In Isaiah 46.10, God tells us, Only I can tell you what is going to happen even before it happens. Only God can tell you, not not anybody else, not a sorcerer or somebody sitting in a $5 palm reading shop. Nobody else can tell you what's going to happen before it happens other than God. You see, he says, everything that I plan will come to pass for I do whatever I wish. When we look to God for his wisdom in our lives, we're not only better off than the fool, but we're better off than anyone else because we have an advantage that others don't have. How I wish that I could have learned this lesson so many, many jobs ago, so many relationships ago, so many houses ago. You see, I was constantly chasing around like the fool. I was constantly looking for something better. Nothing was ever good enough for me. My eyes wandered from field to field. And I've only picked one basket of strawberries in the same amount of time somebody could have picked 10 because I wasn't focused like the wise man. I didn't have the wisdom to use what God had already given me. You see, because we have that advantage that others don't have, we have access to the wisdom of God in our lives. And and when we have that wisdom of God and when we do what he asks us to do, you, you see, remember, Jesus once once told a parable about two men that built their homes. And Jesus ended the parable by saying, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Matthew seven twenty six. But everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You see, we show that we have gained God's wisdom when we do what he asks us to do. That's why it's important to keep exposing ourselves to his wisdom. That's why it's important to be in church, to be in Sunday school, to go to a midweek Bible study or have a personal devotion. You see, the more of God's wisdom you can get into you, the greater your advantage is in this world. So here are the ways for you to ensure that you have a good year for 2019. Number one, know God's wisdom. Number two, do God's wisdom. And then number three, repeat. You see, if you do this again and again, as often as you can, the, the key thing is to remember that both as an individual Christian and as a church, you see, we have access not only to God's wisdom, but also to his power and our ability to create a great new year for our lives isn't limited to what we know. What we personally can do with our lives is limited, but see God's power and his working in our lives is the single most important advantage that we have. As a wise man once observed, I place no hope in my strength nor in my works, but all in my confidence in my God, my protector, who never abandons those who he has put up and put all their hope and thought in him. 
If we hold on to God and his wisdom and his power, then we will succeed in this coming year. And we will be able to grab hold of everything that God wants us to have. It may seem that our future may be in doubt at times, but in the end, it will never be in question. Guys, I want to encourage you to not be like the foolish man. I want to encourage you to be focused, to be wise, to ask God for wisdom and take the things that he's given us in this life and use them. Don't don't spoil away wandering from field to field like the woman picking the strawberries. Don't waste your years like I did bouncing from job to job, relationship to relationship, always thinking that there was something better. You see, you see God has already given us what he's given us and God has already blessed us with what he's blessed us for. And if we don't use that, like we're supposed to, if we don't, if we don't honor God with the things that he's given us, then we will always be chasing a false dream. We'll always be chasing something that isn't real. And we'll always be chasing glory according to man's standards and not his. Daddy, we love you. I want to thank you for speaking uh, what you spoke podcast. I hope that it gives you glory and honor. And I hope that all who listen, it will uh, affect their lives and that they will seek to know you more and more and that they won't just seek your wisdom. But when you give it to them, that we will follow it. I know, Father, it's scary to go, but you commanded us to go when you tell us to. And and how can we show you that we're following your word and how can we show you that we love you? If we don't listen when you tell us to go do something, Father, we ask that you would be with each and every person that's heard these words today, that you would give them clarity and knowledge and discernment, and that these words would bring unlimited glory strictly to you. I do it all for you and not for me. I I give you all the praise and thank you for the knowledge and the gifts that you've bestowed upon me to be able to share with others. Go with us as we go throughout this week. Bless us as we head into the new year. And may everyone that hears this serve you more and more throughout 2019.